0: My blood pressure was very high. I was unaware of that. Then on September 1st, I believe it was, I woke up. I could not get out of bed. Like I couldn't get out of bed. I tried to grab my phone to text my fiance to help me. Uh, He came upstairs to help me. I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. My face was drooping and he brought me downstairs to try and get me to eat because I'd been in bed for a couple days. He said I started to try and cut my food with my left hand, which I'm not left-handed at all. So I was totally backwards, totally backwards. So at that point, he called 911. So I'm not sure. I think I had my stroke, I think, during my sleep, (laughs) if that makes sense. But I had no headache or anything, I don't think, not that I recall. And I didn't have any pain. I just... was very, I remember being very angry, very irritated, like just not myself at all. I'm not able to drive, so that's a huge deal. My memory, I have to write everything down, everything. My vision's the worst, I really have to be careful, watch where I'm walking, watch what I'm doing. If I'm ever lost anything, I have to remember to look to my left, because it's my left eye, and it's usually on my left side if I can't find something. That's pretty much what I have to deal with every day. I slowly increase my time part-time. I only treat four patients a day, usually, for up to an hour each patient, because I do massage therapy. So that's, I think, what helps me get back to work, is because I enjoy helping people and helping them feel better.
1: Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear. And this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In this episode, we'll hear from two survivors. First, Lawrence Duparic from Ontario, Canada, who suffered a stroke at the age of 34.
0: From a stroke, I'm a mum of two. I'm very busy. I work in a massage therapy, a physiotherapy clinic. I've kind of worked part time for a while until COVID and then I was off for a while with the children homeschooling. So that was fun. But yeah, my, my life before was quite busy and I was very independent and just totally opposite of what I am, you know, now we were away for a family vacation. We had just gotten home. It was a September long weekend in 2018. And my blood pressure was very high. I was unaware of that. Then, on September first, I believe it was, I woke up. I could not get out of bed, like I couldn't get out of bed. I tried to grab my phone to text my fiance to help me. Uh, he came upstairs to help me. I couldn't walk, I couldn't talk. My face was drooping, and he brought me downstairs to try and get me to eat because I'd been in bed for a couple days. He said, I started to try and cut my food with my left hand, which I'm not left-handed at all. So I was totally backwards, totally backwards. So at that point, he called 911. So I'm not sure. I think I had my stroke, I think during my sleep, (laughs) if that makes sense. But I had no headache or anything, I don't think, not that I recall. And I didn't have any pain. I just... It was very I remember being very angry, very irritated, like just not myself at all. So, my family was really worried and the ambulance came and I was taken to a small hospital near here where I had a CT scan and that is literally the last thing I remember. I then woke up in a bigger hospital 2 weeks later. I was in a medically induced coma for about 2 weeks. So about three weeks of my life, I don't remember. <laughs> it's just weird, but it was pretty scary. So when I, I did come to and was awake, my speech, I didn't talk at all. I was essentially a mute when I woke up. Um, and then I had months of speech therapy and I had to do occupational therapy, physiotherapy. I used a walker for about two weeks. But then I I wanted to get rid of that thing. (laughs) So I just work pretty hard. Um, So I really don't have too much physical problems, a little bit of weakness on my left, but it's mainly my eye. I just have some problems with um, time management and uh, memory and things like that. So overall, I'm very lucky. I was in hospital for about one month. Okay. And then I did months of outpatient rehab for about three or four months after. I'm not able to drive, so that's a huge deal. My memory, I have to write everything down, everything. My vision is the worst. I really have to be careful, watch where I'm walking, watch what I'm doing. If i am ever lost anything, I have to remember to look to my left because it's my left eye and it's usually on my left side if I can't find something. That's pretty much what I have to deal with every day. Fatigue, especially because I'm working again. Not full-time, I only do part-time. I don't think I'd be able to do my job full-time anymore. But part-time is good enough for me, so I get tired. It's like your full body's tired, and my my mind gets tired, like my eyes get tired. It's more
1: than tired, It's can't function, kind of tired, (laughs) you know? Lauren has been focused on going back to work.
0: I slowly increase my time part-time. I only treat four patients a day, usually, for up to an hour each patient because I do massage therapy. So that's, I think, what helps me get back to work is because I enjoy helping people and helping them feel better, you know? So that's something I like to do. But yeah, I gradually increased my time. Started pretty slow and took me about three weeks to really not be exhausted after my shift (laughs) but now my endurance is a little bit better but i mean not every day is a good day some days are a lot harder to get that motivation it's mainly tired but i do have a lot going on like i mean kids and family and you know it's very busy and sometimes it's just i don't know how i do it all (laughs) you know my fiance is amazing he helped me with everything um he even had to help me like shower and change and take my medication and and my kids they're great Uh, at first it was hard for them they didn't understand that mommy couldn't see right but now they understand they know they help me out a lot like my daughters have to read what in the grocery store what I'm buying and (laughs) tell me how much things are and where things are so they've been really really great really supportive I think in a way it was basically, I I had a very stressful time prior to my stroke. And I think it was just, if you don't deal with your stress and your body will make you take that break, whether you want to or not, you know? So I think it was like a warning sign because now I definitely live a lot differently. I try not to worry too much and, you know, worry about things you can't control and, I think that's basically it's, you have to listen to your body because it usually gives you signs whether you see them or not. So I think it's helped me in a way change my life. I really wish I could see, but I don't know like if that will ever come back. Usually the condition, they also call it posterior reversible encephalopathy syndrome. So that is part of what I had as well. So that's That's why my vision is the way it is. Typically, in some people, it does reverse once your blood pressure is controlled, but mine hasn't yet. I don't think it's going to at this point. They said how I was. As good as I was about a year and a half or two years after, that's all I was going to get to. It was about 80% recovery.
1: And here's Lauren's advice for stroke survivors and their loved ones.
0: For a stroke survivor, I'd say try and keep your sense of humour. And don't give up, you know, keep trying, even if it's the smallest gain, even it is great, you know, to keep going. And to um, a caregiver, I would say be patient and it's very difficult, you know, definitely takes a certain type of person to be a caregiver for sure.
1: Coming up in the second part of this stroke stories.
2: I just remember feeling like panic, and I couldn't move. He looks at me and goes, "Like, what's wrong? You need to talk to me." And so, two minutes after that, I tried to stand up, and I I fell to the floor immediately. And so, he laid me down and called the ambulance. The ER texts like show up, and they check my blood sugar and everything and so they can't figure out what's wrong with me. They thought I was drunk. They take me to Overlake Hospital and they couldn't figure out what's wrong with me. Like, it didn't present itself like a stroke. 10 hours later, I was finally diagnosed with an ischemic stroke. I was transferred to Harborview ICU and I stayed there for about five days. I did rehab in Seattle Children for like a month half, and a half. They did a bunch of tests and found out that I had a PFO in my heart, which is a hole in my heart, basically. I had this blood condition called Leiden 5 Blood Clotting Disorder, and I was on birth control, the pill, which contained estrogen in it. It was a factor of my stroke, Yeah.
1: Lilia Arteminia is from Washington State, USA. She suffered a stroke when she was just 17.
2: I played cello. I skied. I was a ski racing instructor. Before that, I ski raced. Every weekend I was up on the mountains. I did well in school. I remember my dad was out on vacation, right? And it was on the weekend. I had just gotten back from ski racing coaching for like twelve year olds and um, it was really slippery on the side of the mountain like um, the roads and my dad said like hey don't crash <laughs> because I was driving alone in like the early morning. I did what every teenager would do. I invited my boyfriend over to sleep over and we were watching a movie. I just remember feeling like panic and I couldn't move he looks at me and goes like what's wrong you need to talk to me and so two minutes after that I tried to stand up and I I fell to the floor immediately and so he laid me down and called the ambulance the ER texts like show up and they check my blood sugar and everything and so they can't figure out what's wrong with me they thought I was drunk they t- Take me to Overlake Hospital, and they couldn't figure out what's wrong with me. Like it didn't present itself like a stroke, but with the first like ten minutes after that, my right side went numb. Like my face was drooping on the right side. I couldn't talk, so they should have figured it out, but they didn't. <laughs> so ten hours later, I was finally diagnosed with an ischemic stroke. I was transferred to View. ICU, and I stayed there for about five days. I did rehab in Seattle Children's for like a month and a half.
1: Doctors were able to pin down a potential cause of Lilia's stroke.
2: They did a bunch of tests and found out that I had a PFO in my heart, which is a hole in my heart, basically. I had this blood condition called Leiden five blood clotting disorder. And I was on birth control, the pill, which contained estrogen in it. It was a factor of my stroke, yeah. At first, I was mute for two weeks. So my parents were really worried, and my friends were really worried about, like, could I get my voice back and stuff, and thankfully I did. I went to physical therapy. And I worked on my leg, and my leg was the strongest one to come back. Like, And I went to occupational therapy. My arm still hasn't fully recovered. I can't open, fully extend my fingers.
1: Lilia's stroke didn't stop her from finishing school.
2: They were worried if I could graduate on time, which I actually did. <laughs> Thanks to Running Start, which is a program where you get college credits in high school. I had one English class left, <laughs> so I did that. I had a scribe assigned to me, and they did basically everything. I was kind of numb. Like, looking back to, at it now, I didn't feel all the emotions. That I'm currently feeling, and I didn't know the severity of my stroke, so I wasn't fully capable of processing it. I was able to do a lot of like play cello, for example, and that kind of like got like ripped away from me. I couldn't do a lot of things that I wanted to do, so I just sat at home and watched like YouTube or something and As I started getting out and doing more stuff, I became more frustrated that I wasn't able to do the things that I was able to do before.
1: And she's now attending university.
2: I'm a sophomore. I'm majoring in neuroscience. I was interested in that before my stroke, actually, funny enough. Last semester, it was all online. I kind of got used to that. But this semester it's all in person I'm moving to the dorms it's kind of rough because I have anxiety even before the stroke and my stroke amped that up a little bit so I think am I gonna fail and like is neuroscience not the right course for me what if right and that's the mental part of it the physical part of it is obviously I can't write notes with my right hand, which I was dominantly right-handed before. And so after my stroke, right after I came out of the hospital, I said, I'm going to write with one hand, like um with my left non-dominant hand. And so I sat down every day for 15 minutes and ordered a book and stuff. And I can basically write with my left hand The stroke affected me in the executive decision. I'm more impulsive. I was originally diagnosed with ADHD before my stroke, and that kind of like amps it up a little bit. Mentally, I have a phager, right? It's really hard for me to decipher what I need to take notes on during like in class and stuff. And that's why online was so much easier for me because I could literally go back and rewatch the notes as many times that I as I feel like it, like lectures and stuff, and get the right information down. So I'm a little bit nervous to go in person, but it's it's fine. I'll I'll do great. <laughs> to a stroke survivor. You never know how strong you are until being strong is your only choice. That quote speaks to me really heavily. Whenever I'm having a bad day or bad week, that quote gets me out of it. And so for a family member, be patient. It's going to be a long haul. There will be times when your patient is grouchy, is uncontrollably crying and you can't stop it and just let them feel what they're feeling.
1: Both our stroke survivors in today's episode have shown a great deal of resilience in the face of a difficult and lengthy recovery. Lauren is now focused on regaining her driving license. Lilia is enjoying her time studying neuroscience at university. Thank you very much for listening and please do spread the word by rating and commenting on the episodes you hear and if you can recommend the podcast to a friend or two who you think it might help and if you know of or you are a stroke survivor yourself and there's a story you can share we'd welcome it our dms are always open on twitter and instagram the stroke stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd I'm Mark Goodyear thank you for listening